Welcome to another episode of the Mahoney Advanced Training Podcast. Once again, we have a hybrid episode where we're going to cover a couple of tips and tricks, and then we are going to get into the sick, sick, sick Helen of Troy challenge that we had this week. Okay, tip number one slash tip number two. So tip number one is going to be something I am experimenting with. Tip number two is an exercise tip. So what am I experimenting with? I'm experimenting with wide-toed sneakers. A few weeks ago, I talked about that I had wide-toed shoes. Well, now I have wide-toed sneakers. And we're doing. I'm doing this because I want to get my toes to stop squishing together. I want my feet to heal themselves. I want to strengthen the overall structure and support of my foot by having this wide-toed shoe. Sorry, sneaker. And this wide-toed sneaker also has a minimalist sole, so now I can really feel the ground. I can really connect with the ground, and I'm strengthening my foot by not constantly having my foot in this foot cushion, uh, this foot pillow, whatever you want to call it, that comes with traditional sneakers. So it's a wide-toed sneaker. What is the exercise tip? The tip is if you get these type of sneakers, do not go be a maniac and decide that you're going to go run football agility drills on day one in these sneakers. You really have to make sure that you're you're able to figure out how these things feel and work on your feet and with the, in connection with the rest of your body. So what did I do? Well, I started off by just walking around my house with them for about three or four minutes just to make sure they fit well. Then step two was... I was taking my dog, I still am, taking my dogs on my dog on walks with them on my feet. So no longer am I using my regular sneakers. I'm only using these wide-toed sneakers during a walk. I want to, again, see how the ground feels. I walk over different surfaces. I walk over gravel. I walk over pavement. I walk over concrete. Now, I want to see what it feels like when I walk on different surfaces with these sneakers. Then tip, then step number three is, and was, because I did it, I worked out in my gym with these wide-toed minimalist sneakers. So... Basics, jump rope, okay, that felt good. Uh, I'm going to do a bodyweight lunge, okay, that felt good. All right, now I'm going to do a bodyweight squat, okay, that felt good. All right, now I'm going to do a hand clean. Now I'm gradually progressing with the type of things I'm going to do inside of the gym with these sneakers. And then lastly, I'm go- this hasn't happened yet, maybe one to two weeks, that's when I'm going to go to a field and I'm going to experiment with maybe linear sprinting, just sprinting straight ahead. And then after that, step five, the ultimate step, can I run, cut, jump with these sneakers on? Okay, so that was tip number one and tip number two. Tip number three, a quote that I am thinking about. This comes from Game of Thrones Season 2. It comes from Stannis Baratheon. I don't know why I got such a, a kick out of this, but he said, Fools love fools. And it came when someone was telling him how much everybody else loved his brother, Renly Baratheon. If you've, if you've seen the show and you're like, who, I can't remember who these guys are, there's too many characters. Well, these were two brothers that wanted the Iron Throne after the original king in the show, Robert Baratheon, was ki- was, he died, all right, after he died. Sorry, spoiler alert, you should have watched the show by now. But the point is, uh, when, you, when you're looking, sometimes, that me personally, I don't know if anybody else, but sometimes you'll look on social media and you'll say, why there's this person maybe you, you don't like, or this person you don't agree with, or this person that makes no sense, or this person that's just a bad, a bad person, right? And you say, why are all these people following this person? Why are all these people writing comments about all the great things this person is doing? And then uh, I guess a way to help me myself sleep at night is to remember this Renly Baratheon, sorry, the Stannis Baratheon quote, fools love fools. Okay, tip number four, something that I'm listening to that's moving me. I'm re-listening to. There is a podcast. I believe it's podcast. Jocko. It's Jocko Willing's podcast, episode number 13. I sent it to my guys, uh, and I'm pretty sure absolutely none of them listened to it after I sent it, but it is worth a listen. And it's a recap of a few different things, one of which is the Russian version versus Chechenian warfare that was going on, I believe, in 1994. So that people went through, they did a study, and then they taught our, our armed services, like, what went wrong during this urban warfare. And 
for obvious reasons, this is just something that I'm interested in, given what's going on in the world today. But also, even if there wasn't a war going on between uh, the Ukraine and Russia, even if that wasn't going on, I, I listened to this last year when it came out in May. Uh, it wasn't like, and th- there were two things that really stuck out to me, and one of them was that they knew back in this Russian Chechnya war that the war was going the wrong way for the Russians when the Russian soldiers stopped shaving. A little thing like that, right? Like, a little disciplined thing like that was the indicator that this is over. When they stopped shaving, it was done. And if you think about anything in your, your business, your, your sports organization, your training program, when the little things stop happening, right, that's just a precursor to the bigger things stopping happening. Now, I'm not saying that you should have a million little details and you should focus on a million little details, but you should, the details that you have, you got to stick with them. And something like shaving in the military, or something like being neat, or something like having your shirt tucked in at a certain, you know, at a sporting event, like that, or your, you know, like your, have your, your helmet buckled as a football player. Like those little things can, will go a long way if they are the foundational elements of your program. And the other part that came through was, it was about morale. And it was, you know, there was this conversation that morale is the, it might be the biggest foundational principle of everything. Because it doesn't matter if you're, you have the most manpower or the most technology or the, the most uh, equipment or the most money. Once the morale goes, everything goes, which is why when you have an organization, a, sporting, a sports team, a training program, you need to be around like-minded individuals. Because if you've got one person in the back chirping and breaking up the morale and naysaying and putting bad things in people's heads, that's it. It's over. Or if you're in a football game, you know, as a coach or as a fan, you watch. You watch how quickly people's morale changes. There's no reason why if you could score 14 points in the first half that you shouldn't be able to score 14 points in the second half. But maybe you fumble and now you start to have self-doubt. And now you have, now the morale is down and now you can't function. So just again, I recommend to listen to it. It's fitting for the times, but it's also fitting for any time because there are absolute lessons that can carry over to just about anything. Okay, tip number five. This is a, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say this is the strangest thing I saw all week. So Mark Strange, no pun intended, Mark Strange comes to our training session yesterday with a hooded sweatshirt, a hoodie as the, the young guys say, that says lazy but talented. And uh, I, I, it didn't take me more than three seconds to see it because I was like, <laughs> what is this lazy but talented? Like this is not the type of athlete that I would like to coach. Then after the workout's over, Pete Amorosi said, that shirt is everything that Coach Mahoney is not. And I was like, yep, uh, I'm not. I'm certainly not talented by any stretch of the imagination, and I am definitely not lazy. And then upon reflection, so that was the craziest thing I saw all week. Upon reflection, this is tip number six, and I think this is a, a great productivity tip. And I've talked about this before in previous podcasts, but I'm going to say it again. So I have this book called The 80-20 Principle. And the 80-20 principle is refers to the Pareto principle, which essentially says that 20% of what you do impacts 80% of your results. Or even worse, it could be 10% of what you do impacts 90% of your results. Or 5% of what you do percent reflects 95% of your results. So what does that even mean? Well, what it means is, and, it, and that correlates to anything. So if I have 20% of my customers, if I own a business, they provide 80% of my revenue. If I have 20% of the, uh, the workers on my team, they do 80% of the work. And you might even say, hey, I'm a coach. 
20% of my plays, get 80% of my yardage. So why would I focus all this extra time on those other 80% of my stuff that only gives me 20% outputs? Why don't I double down on that 20% of my stuff that gives me all the rest of these results? So that's the Pareto principle. In this book, there is a discussion of a, I believe it was a, a general in the 1800s who was talking about the type of soldiers that you have and what you need to do with them. And this goes back to the lazy but talented quote. And imagine you have an XY axis, right? The X axis is running parallel to the ground for people that don't know anything about math. And along that axis, it says intelligence. Like, so it's dumb on the left, smart on the right, right? So as you're going from left to right, you're getting smarter. And then on the Y axis, which is going up and down, perpendicular to the floor, it starts with lazy and hard work. So let's take, and it's a four box quadrant, and we'll take this step by step. So you got a couple of different types of soldiers. You have the lazy, dumb soldier. And what this guy says is, just leave him alone. Like, you're not going to fix him, you're not going to make him smart, and you're not going to make him hardworking. Just leave the guy alone. It's a good thing he's lazy, because he's not going to do anything. He's not going to cause any problems, he's not going to do any good. Just leave him alone, you're never going to fix him. Now, in a business world, you try not to hire those people, but if they're there, just leave them alone. Don't give them great pay, don't give them great bonuses, just leave them alone. Okay. Then on the complete and total other end of the spectrum, you have, we just went through lazy and dumb. Now you have smart and hard work. He said, these are your best soldiers. These, 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 these are, I'm sorry, these are the, they're just great soldiers. They're going to do everything you want them to do, and they're going to do it well. And they're going to do it all the time. These are great soldiers. Don't get rid of those people. You hang on to those people. So that was smart and hardworking. Then you have dumb and hardworking. And surprisingly, he said, fire those guys. <laughs> what? Why would I fire those guys? The dumb and hardworking ones, what they're going to do is they're going to do a lot of work. But they're going to do it all wrong, and you're going to have to go do it all over again. So imagine that you owned like a, a major, major heating and air conditioning company, right? And you send out uh, Johnny, who's dumb and hardworking. And he goes to 15 people's houses that day, and he breaks all 15 of their air conditioners. Now you've got to go back to 15 houses and fix all those 15 air conditioners. Now, if you had dumb and lazy, that guy might go to one house and break one air conditioner. You just got to fix one air conditioner. But if you have the dumb and hardworking, that person's going to break 15 different things. All right? So that's the type of person you definitely don't want is dumb and hardworking. Now, the ultimate, the ultimate worker, this links back to Mark Strange's shirt that says lazy but talented, is the best worker you want, the best one, the one you hang on to, is the lazy but smart. That's the one you want. The lazy but smart. Why? Because they're going to find the easiest way to do everything. And they're going to eliminate all of the waste that is involved in that process. And so when I'm thinking back to Pete Amorosi's comment, right? I, <laughs> I was like really reflecting on it this morning. I think in many ways I am absolutely lazy. That's why I'm continually trying to find the most efficient and effective way to do things because I don't want to labor all the time. Even if you think about the workouts we have, everything we do is designed to get the most bang for your buck. How can we do the least amount of workouts in the least amount of time to get the most amount of impact? It's the same way I live every facet of my life. How can I do the least amount of stuff to get the most amount of impact in the least amount of time? And I'll say, for me personally, that this all really goes back to many, many years of my life sitting on a heating and air conditioning truck, waiting. 
just not like wasting my life from the age of 10 to the age of 37. That's 27 years of my life. I sat on a heating and air conditioning truck waiting, waiting for parts, waiting for other workers to show up to work, waiting for customers to get home, uh, waiting for a store to open up so I could get parts, like just, just waiting. Just waiting at red lights in Staten Island, waiting in traffic in Staten Island. You know, this is, again, from the age of 10 to 37, 27 years just waiting. And now I just, I am ruthless, ruthless about my time. So, uh, Strange, I'm going back on what I said. Now, uh, lazy but talented, maybe I do want an athlete like that. I'm not saying that they're going to show up to practice and not do anything, but maybe they're going to be on the same page as me about efficient, effective practices and uh, to get the most done. Because, to me... The laziness part, it, it should be separate and distinct from the outcome. I still want to be the best at everything that I do. I still don't want to go to bed at night not being better than I was the day before. I still want to be productive every single day. But I just want to do it in the most efficient and effective manner possible. All right, so that covers the tips and tricks. We are now going to get into the infamous Helen of Troy challenge from this weekend. So if, just a, a quick recap for anyone who doesn't know what's going on with advanced training this week season in our challenge season we have tag team we have teams set up they go in head-to-head events i'm sorry tag team events every week the winning team gets a certain amount of points and then the winning team gets to pick any people from the losing team to go head-to-head in a battle well this week we've changed the flow up a little bit so what we did is we we (laughs) took it we billy blanco named it he named it the helen of troy challenge because i took the the mindset of what happened in the movie troy where achilles was asked to fight on behalf of the whole Trojan army against some guy named Borges. So he fights this dude, Borges. Winner of the fight represents winner of the entire battle, and nobody else has to die or get hurt. So they go head to head. So what I said, okay, we're going to model this week's challenge after that. So instead of a tag team event, each team's going to pick one guy. And that one guy is going to battle someone else from each team. Now all the teams don't have to compete. It's one person representing that team. And oh, by the way, if you win, you're going to get a total of two victories. So you'll get get six points instead of three points. Because in our system, if a guy wins, he gets three points. Well, now we'll count that as two wins. So that's like a a double bonus. There's a lot riding on this, right? Why would I want to be the guy to step out for my team? Because also, if you lose, you get two losses, and now you are no longer allowed to compete in head-to-head matches. So there was a lot riding on. And to up the ante just a bit, we brought back the money in the bank challenge, meaning that if you're the winner, you not only get six points, you're not only the hero for your team because they're all going to get points for you as well. So if, you, if you're going to get it for them. So if you, if you win, if you win this Helen of Troy challenge, not only do you get your points, the team also gets three points. So everybody on your team for just watching you do stuff, they're going to get three points as well. So you got your th- get the three points for the team. You get six points for yourself and you get the money in the bank challenge. There's a lot riding on it. Yeah, so why did I do this? Well, I wanted to see how teams would... I wanted to see who would step up, right? Because there was a lot riding on it, a lot of pressure. I wanted to see if who teams were willing to throw up because there was also a lot of risk. Hey, man, this could be a big risk. If I lose twice, I'm out. And then also, this money in the bank, it could come back at some point to screw you over. So if I put my guy up on my team... He gets this money in the bank belt. Now my team loses a few weeks later. This guy could use this belt against me in our money in our head-to-head challenge and eliminate me. So there was a lot to it. There was a lot of psychological warfare that I wanted to, I guess, embed 
into this advanced training program. Once again, sorry guys, this isn't all just about uh, pushing weights. There's a lot of uh, mental and emotional work going on too. I wanted to see how these guys thought through this stuff. And I don't know how or why they picked who they picked. I'd love to know. Uh, I tried to ask some people. I got some vague answers. Maybe they're just not telling me. Or maybe they're not thinking about it nearly as deeply as I think about this stuff. Which is why... Uh, we need a guy like Tro Joe Trunzo in the program because I'm sure he'd be sitting up all night uh, with like a, a little war map on his desk mapping all this stuff out. Anyway, so what happened was, oh, also to add to this, we made that challenge ex brutally hard because there was a lot riding on it. This couldn't be like a med ball toss. Whoever gets the furthest yards wins. No. So the challenge was brutally hard. And let me say this, the, the ground was scorched earth, as the great Billy Blanco likes to say. Scorched earth. So it was a 20-yard slider. Two a 20-yard prowler shuttle. So it was a there, back, there. So that's a total of 60 yards of prowler, followed by a 20-yard farmer's walk, and then a 20-yard slider. And the ground is scorched earth. Like, it's not easy to move yourself on a slider. It's not easy to move, move the prowler at all. So, again, guys, the stakes are big. This is not easy. So three teams go. There's three, one guy from each team is selected. From team number one, this is uh, Joe Shalasi's team, they pick Hesdra. Hezra, this is his first day at advanced training. They literally throw this poor bastard to the wolves. <laughs> it's the first day at advanced training. Hey, Hezra, go. Now, Hezra's in great shape. He, he's a tough, tough dude. I coached him in football. He he played linebacker. He played, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, fullback, running back. I mean, these are tough positions to play. He's a tough guy, but this is not stuff that you just walk into and know how to do. Uh, he hasn't even used half of these toys religiously with the group, and now all of a sudden, they bring him in. And, uh... He goes first. He hits two minutes and eight seconds. Granted, a couple of those seconds were penalty seconds because one of their guys showed up late. So the guy shows up late. Now here's it. I want to get into that right now. So he gets two minutes and eight seconds. He didn't do nearly as well as he wanted to, and I was worried he's gonna be projectile vomiting. The cool part is like uh, about three minutes later, I'm like, Hezra, you all right? And he has like this huge chest pounded out, and he's like, I've never been better. And I'm like, this is the sickness that we need in this program. Like, he just pushed himself to a level that I don't know how he's been pushing himself to before, but at least around here, this is his first day. Uh, I mean, it was brutal. It was br a brutal workout, and he's walking around like he just killed the world, and he said he's never felt better. I love that. Hezra, welcome to the group. All right, so he goes two minutes, eight seconds. Competitor number two, Billy Blanco. Blanco. Who named this the Hell in a Troy Challenge? Now, Billy Blanco... He's notorious. He's a nose tackle, right? This is a guy in the trenches. If you're starting a football team and you want a nose tackle, bang, Billy Blanco, right? Then you put him right there. Boom, I want this guy middle of the field. I want him tormenting that center every day. But nose tackles, they don't run marathons, right? They work in a, a two-yard box. They just kill the guy in front of him. Billy Blanco, uh, this guy benches more than my house, right? He, his expertise is not in uh, running, uh, doing these high whatever you want to call it, higher endurance type work, right? This is not, he's not in the two-minute world. He's in the two-second world. So this is the first time we're going to see Billy Blanco do something of this nature, this long, uh, and especially he's a big dude. Well, man, I tip my hat to Billy Blanco because I've, I've never seen a guy work that, this guy work that hard for that long. He was like an ultimate gladiator. So he beats Hezra's time by about, a little over 20 seconds. He gets 1 minute and 45 seconds. And he did not falter, man. He gave it... Uh, you could see when a guy gives it everything they have. You could just feel it. You could feel it right through his workout. He gave it every bit of his soul to finish that event as fast as he possibly could. There was no pacing. There was no dogging. He gave it every bit of his soul. 
He gets 145. I think he's going to puke. And then, lastly, goes Pete Baraji. So Pete Baraji goes, and Pete got to pick the order because his team had the champ- the tag team championship belt. They have it. That's the rule. You get to pick the order of everybody going. So he picks Hezra to go first. So not only does Hezra's team throw him to the Wolves, Pete throws him to the Wolves even more and says, you're going first. Then I guess he's good buddies with Billy Blanco. Maybe not good enough buddies to let Billy go last, but good enough to let him not go first. So Billy Blanco goes second. Then Pete goes. And Pete... Uh, I told you a few weeks ago when I looked at him when he picked up that farmer's walk that I didn't think anyone could pick up with one hand and he picked it up lefty and ran with it. Well, he put on an equally great showing this week by winning the event in 1 minute and 23 seconds. 1 minute and 23 seconds. So he beat Blanco by 20 seconds. So Pete, now with those, now he gets 6 points. He gets 6 points for that win. So now he is tied with Tom Galley with 18 points. They are both number 1 in this challenge se- season. It's cool because they're both on the same team. So we got two dudes on the same team. Pete Pete got his whole team three points for the win. And Pete now has the money in the bank challenge that he could use to do anything that he wants at any time for the remainder of the season. Hopefully, maybe he'll get us some uh, tutelage from Cortese and learn how to use it in the right way. But uh, it was pretty cool to see Pete walking out of there yesterday with two belts around his arms, the championship belt and the money in the bank belt. So just another another sick morning. And again, I just something I was you know when I do this stuff, I get nervous. You know, when I design these programs and I hope these guys understand the level of thought that goes into every decision that goes on. Very few things are just hap 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 haphazard. But when I'm designing the program, I'm like, are the other guys gonna care when one person is going, right? They they're they're not competing today. So are they gonna care? And boy, did they. I mean, just guys screaming. You know, some guys trying to heckle, get in each other's heads. Some guys just really motivating and pushing people to keep finishing, to keep trucking, to give it everything you got. And it just, man, it just makes you, I just love every second of what's going on with this crew. We got the right people in this crew. Everybody is making themselves better every single session. And again, it's not just physically, it's emotionally, it's mentally. It's it's every in every facet this total human being is getting better at every one of these sessions. Nobody's leaving there feeling worse than when they came in. Everybody is becoming a better human being when they walk out of these training sessions. I love every second of it. And back to my thinking through the training program. So okay, so we didn't have a tag team event. But I still want everybody to compete every day. So in my mind, what I did was, okay, everybody who didn't go in this this head-to-head event, you guys are going to work on your PowerPoints. And what we did is we did a Prowler shuttle. So what a, it's a, these PowerPoints that we have is separate and distinct from the challenge. The PowerPoints are how many yards can you collect in certain competitions over the course of this year. And one of the competitions is called a, pr- a 10-yard Prowler shuttle. So you take a Prowler with a 45 on each side, so it'll be 90 90 pounds on the Prowler, and you're going to push this Prowler for 20 seconds straight. And every 10 yards, you're going to turn around and come back the other way. So it's not like a 20-second straight push. It's 10, 10 yards, turn around. 10 yards, turn around. 10 yards, turn around. So we had guys do it for 20 seconds, and uh, every yard that they collect is a yard that goes in their PowerPoint bank. So if people are asking, hey, coach, why did you design the program the way you did yesterday? Well, I want everybody to compete. I did want to see what you guys would do mentally and uh, I'll see if there was any psychological warfare as part of the Helen of Troy challenge. And I just want to, you know, we, we got to get these PowerPoints in. So why not use this as a great opportunity for everybody to compete if you were not part of the tag team challenge? All right, people, that is it. 
Enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe. Be grateful for all the things that you have. Uh, Don't dwell on the bad things you don't. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refused to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. It's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today.